Welcome into the Everyday Experience Podcast, a show called It's Probably You. I'm your host, LDP, and today I have a special guest hopping on the microphone with me. I have a business owner, a writer, mental health advocate, and fellow podcaster, wasn't aware of that, Talia Antonietta. How'd I do? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as close as I could possibly As close as I could get. Sounds good. That's too funny. Um, So I am so happy to have you on. I appreciate you so much for taking the time to want to come onto the show and to speak with us and to speak with my guests. I found you on TikTok and then subsequently again on Instagram. And I just think it's really unique the way that you've gone about creating your platform. So what really got you started on this journey? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, I enjoy following your journey on on TikTok and Instagram as well. And um, it's kind of been one of those situations where it's like a whirlwind, right? You don't really know where you're going to end up and you start somewhere and you finish somewhere else. And um, I I went to um, college in New York when I was you know 17, left home and um, got my degree and then I started working on Wall Street and um, working in finance definitely illuminated for me business as usual and also my hesitancy to accept business as usual. Um, And so, but there was a lot that was weighing on me. I don't come from, I have, and I talk a lot about this on my platforms, but I don't have the idyllic family situation or dynamics. And so it's always just kind of been um, me financially, emotionally, all of those things. And so I got a job in finance because the reality is if you don't have generational wealth, you got to just keep working until you got you to find a way to create it. <laughs> yep. You got to find a way to get your stability. So I started working in finance, but then, um, you know, it wasn't quite in alignment with exactly how I viewed the world. So I pivoted a little bit. Um, I grew up as a dancer and I kind of went back to my movement roots and I got certified in classical Pilates Oh wow. and I moved from New York to Los Angeles and I worked in wellness for a while. And, you know, I was, that turned, I thought this was going to be my dream career. It was everything that I wanted. Um, but the day in, day out of just like teaching so many classes every single day and me being I'm a little more on the introverted side, so I can be, or like an extroverted introvert. Like I can, (laughs) I can show up and and be super social, but like I need like three or four day business days to recover. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, I was giving a lot of myself and something still wasn't quite fitting. And so I did like a holistic nutrition year long program. I was like, do I want to stay in wellness? And what happened during that time was I was meeting a lot of women who I was teaching Pilates privately to them who were female founders and oh. we would start having conversations and a lot of them were building businesses that were kind of changing the status quo in their respective industries. And I was always intrigued by business, like, you know, just being in finance and business, I I believe in it being a catalyst for change. Like we mm. all know we live in a capitalist society. 
we have to have money to function. I think there's better ways to approach it. I don't think money is inherently like evil. I think it's just Agreed. like how you, you have to like be able to utilize that resource in ways that feel integrous to you. So um, I saw all of these women building these incredible things. And at the time I thought maybe I'd go back to school and like get an MBA. Cause I, I love school. I love, I love being educated and just learning all the time. And you know, the reality of like a quarter million dollar degree was also like, okay, that's kind of, <laughs> I already have student loans. Like, I don't know yeah. if I really want to go deeper into the hole. Um, but then I was like, okay, in this interim, I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time about business. And I just noticed there was kind of a gap in the market where there's a lot of business podcasts. And predominantly the voices that are featured are male um, because just like in business, it's been predominantly very uh, male centric and also profit first. And so I was like, okay, it's kind of like this little pocket where we, I can feature women who are building really cool things and have proven that they have really incredible business acumen. They're smart women, they're strategic, but they're also utilizing social impact as part of their strategy versus an afterthought. Like they are scaling the two simultaneously so that they grow together. Um, And so that's what I, when I launched my podcast, the social impact startup, um, and I started featuring at first a lot of the women I met through Pilates. And so (laughs) yeah, tap into your network, right? Tap into your network. And you never know who you're going to meet. So I was meeting like, filmmakers, like clo- like a woman who was running a clothing company, like all of these different people whose like similarity was wellness and social impact. And so um, I think those themes have just heavily resonated with me in my life and my trajectory. And then um, I was building that up. I was taking a lot of courses about social impact strategy, utilizing my personal knowledge of being in the business and financial space. And um, I started like creating some digital courses and things that I thought could help people, you know, build a brand. Because I also think alongside money being a resource for good, I'm a big proponent of women having access to money because I think that it gives you choice in life, just Mm -hmm. for anybody. But I think what happens a lot of the time when, you know, women are historically paid less and have less savings and Mm -hmm. spend more on products because of the pink tax and all these things that we know. (laughs) So I'm a big proponent for women making money and getting what they're worth also because I've seen, and I've been in this situation myself when you're in a situation that is not good for your health, being able to get up and walk away is such a power move. And I feel like a lot of people can get stuck because of that financial restraint. And where that comes into play is I was personally in a long-term relationship um, that I also talk about this a lot on my platform, very open and vulnerable And and I've seen that. Yep. And I appreciate that about you for being honest about what you've dealt with. Yeah. And you know, like everybody has their struggles. And so it took me a long time to realize how unhealthy that dynamic was for me. Um, Being in a relationship with someone who struggles with addiction, somebody who is just prone to cheating on you, like it really messes with 
your sense of self-worth, your yeah. value. And just when you are in an environment where day in, day out, you're just disrespected and disregarded, it really takes a toll on you. And I became kind of a shell of myself. And I, um, at the time, because I was doing so much with Pilates and I didn't really have like a lot of savings. And so there was always this thought in my mind of, you know, that was holding me back a little bit from, you know, there was that gut feeling being like, Hey, something is off. Something is off. Yeah. You can, you can start to sense it, especially if you're, if you're someone who is tapped into mindfulness and wellness, which it sounds like you are. And that's been a part of your journey. You can start to feel the resistance when something isn't right. Like you're, you're like, you can just start to feel that there's something inside of you that's not an alignment. Um, and I think it's hard to ignore for too long. It's, it's like, um, I've referred to it before as just like someone knocking at your door until you finally mm, open it. I like it. that. Yep. And I so, like that a lot. And it's, and it's just yourself knocking at the door and, <laughs> yep. you know, I have had to channel a lot lot of self-compassion because when I look back into the version of me who first got in that relationship and the red flags that I saw then, but I totally pushed away, uh, there's a part of me that gets so frustrated because I'm like, you saw it and you ignored it and why did you ignore it? But the reason we're in therapy is to understand why we ignored it, right? Like what was the reason we were seeking this kind of attachment to somebody? Um, and so it kind of, it, it, that relationship really devolved and I became truly a shell of myself. I don't think to which extent I really realized until now that it's been about two years that I've been healing and focusing on myself and doing therapy and doing yoga. And I've just, everything been prioritizing me and my mental health and all my friends have been like, you're glowing. Like you got your glow back. And that to me is just like, so beautiful, but also like, oh my God, like how depleted was I? And so being able to, at that point, I had saved up a little bit of money. And when I was finally like, this is the final straw, I went and I found an apartment, signed a lease and I left. And so that's why part of my platform is so much about, you know, having the means to choose Mm -hmm. the life that works for you. Because when you feel stuck, it just like, it doesn't serve serve anybody and um yeah so that's kind of what happened and that that actually triggered a lot of my um mental health healing journey was the end of that relationship turned out to be one of the best things that I ever did for myself and I think that we get so scared um when we talk about like the sunk cost fallacy where you invest time and energy in people or relationships and we think that if we leave them like we're giving up but what I've learned along the way is I've had to let go of a lot of people in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Some really big figures. I've had to go no contact with my own mother. I had to leave my ex. I had to let go of some deep friendships that just were not actually conducive to this next phase of like the healed version of me. Like these people who were in my life, they were great for the unhealed version of me. And then now that that shift has happened, um, no longer is it really serving. And it's kind of vice versa. It's like, we're not really serving each other. So, you know, exactly. we can, you know, it was great mm-hmm. to have you in my life. And I'm so grateful for the lessons that I've learned, but also it takes a lot of strength to be able to say, I'm so grateful and goodbye. 
Oh, I think so. And honestly, as I listen to your story, a couple things really resonate with me on like on a personal level. Um, the first thing being, I think that as a whole, and I've and I've got I've dove into this in in other ways of, I think as a whole, the way that we view wellness is almost like things are a one and done. I think that mm -hmm. unless you start journaling, which is something that I've recently started to pick up on a little bit more, unless you start recapturing uh, some pieces of you and understanding where you were and where you're trying to go and why you're trying to go there, you might find yourself in a perpetual state of going back and forth in that same circle. So I'm happy to hear that you're taking the steps to give yourself grace because it does require grace, but your story in and of itself really speaks to the heart of when people say they're on a self-discovery journey, there is no end to said journey. There is no magic cure for said journey. You are in the process of understanding yourself and growing as a person. So I love to hear that from you. The other thing that I think is extremely important that I don't think gets enough um, gets enough attention, especially with me being a yoga teacher and kind of seeing it on a regular basis. You have got to let go of certain people. Uh, unfortunately, not everybody is meant to be in that next chapter of your life. Um, I've, I've told people that I feel like every next part of you or every next step that you take in your journey requires a different version of you, right? Mm -hmm. So the version that you are at right now probably can't resonate with some of the people that were only in your life because of the benefit they got from the unhealed version of you. Now, what I want to know from you is as you're starting to let go of some of those things and you're starting to move forward, are you finding that you're reaching more and more people that resonate at the same level now? Yeah, the interesting thing is there's a lot of truth when it says you are who you surround yourself with. Oh and my goodness, a, yes. <laughs> and I think for a long time, I, I, I developed like crippling people pleaser tendencies just from my dynamics mm. growing up. I've had to dissect this a lot in therapy, just like the narcissistic codependent dynamic. I tend to have a lot of my really close interpersonal relationships were with a lot of narcissists. So it was like me constantly trying to like, um, like be there for them and all the stuff and people um, depleting and taking and taking. And like, yep, there is just like the lack of empathy that exists. What And, you know, my therapist likes to talk about narcissism on the scale and this like spectrum, right? There's obviously like a very extreme version of it. But then there's like a side where just people lack some empathy in that and they're just like self-centered in their approach to life. And what I found is having let go of those kind of relationships that really benefited from me not having boundaries. And I talk a lot about boundaries because so do we. I, we talk a lot about boundaries. They're really important. They are probably what I, I like to call the bread and butter of like your healing. <laughs> it's really yep. like the ability to protect your peace is something that I never did. And it took me until I was 26 years old to actually have any form of boundary in my life. And that's like, incredible when I think about it, but it's just like, I was, I just always wanted to give, I think I have a lot to give people with like, in general, like I really believe in, I'm just the type who likes to give back and have that, but it was never reciprocal. Right. So I've mm -hmm. had to let go of those relationships where it was 
me giving a lot and I just got like a little in return, but then I was like, Ooh, maybe I can get like a little more next time. And then like, you kind of get addicted to that, like little bit of love. And like, so now I've noticed in the past year, I've really focused on cultivating friendships and dynamics. Um, the dating side's another side of the story. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of friendships, I've really developed a lot of like securely attached friendships where there is room for me particularly to be a human being, which I think didn't exist in other relationships that had really high standards of me, but didn't like I said, reciprocate in return. So um, there was never room for error. And I think now there is just the acknowledgement that I'm a human being. We, yeah. we learn, we grow, we acknowledge, we apologize when we, yep. when we yep. mess up. And I think that the friendships that I now have surrounding me, they say that, you know, when your body feels calm around other people is how you know that that your nervous system is not being tapped out, right? Yep, and so absolutely. I just, every person nowadays that I interact with, I just like do a body scan. I'm like, how am I feeling? Yep. And it's really indicative of how that kind of dynamic is. And when somebody makes me feel a little uneasy, I'm like, mm, just take note of it. Because like, it's don't, don't totally like go like reverse direction, but <laughs> you know, yeah. And just see if that plays into this dynamic. And if so, just gently walk away. Well, I think what, what you're doing, when you set the boundary, to your point, I think that setting boundaries is a show of self-respect and self-love. By setting a boundary, you're just saying, I love myself enough to not go beyond X point. That's all it is. Um, you're just You're just setting the standard for you. I like to say that you set the standard for how people treat you by what you're willing to put up with. So in you understanding how important you are and what you can give and raising the standard for the people around you and what you'll accept from them, I do think that it gives you the ability to be free and be yourself. But that that feeling around certain people, I can't stress enough how important it is for me to do meditation, to do body scans, to do box breathing, to do these certain exercises because what it's allowed me to do is figure out what's my baseline. So what am I normally feeling? Where am I normally at? I think when people think about meditation and they think about these exercises, they think that people are trying to get rid of their thoughts. Whereas really what I'm trying to do is understand how I land at a certain place and at a certain point in time. And it sounds like that's the direction that you've moved into. And it sounds like you're getting a lot of benefit from really understanding who you are a little bit more. It's true. And it's also approaching myself with, um, I used to have such a, and I, I still struggle with it actually. It's, I, it's like the healing it's journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. And I think I, I had, um, you know, growing up the way that I received love was very conditional and it was based upon perfection and performance. And it was less mm. on, person that I was. And so I really internalized that. And so for myself in learning to love myself, I've had to detach from perfection and performance and have more self-compassion towards the person that I am. And so that in itself is like step one. And then just knowing that you 
aren't going to be able to heal things unless you feel them and acknowledge them. And I think that as human beings, we shy away from negative emotions because of what they convey, right? So Mm -hmm. for me in my personal journey, anger has always been like a scary emotion for me, that one that I push away, right? And in my therapy journey, it's been Un, not unleashing anger that sounds like a little intense but it's just also been like okay like how do I feel in my body do I feel angry and my therapist is always like it fits the facts that you would feel angry about someone disrespecting you like that exactly. it's okay that you feel angry yep. and like you don't have to then justify because that's the other thing I do I over explain other people's behavior I'm like oh you know but they come from this background and they do all this stuff. And it's like you, you're you constantly justifying other people's behavior. But ultimately, people really, it is comes down to they will treat you how they feel about you and also how they feel about themselves. Yes, and that's so, a big thing. Like, we can't control what other people are going to do, but we can control how we respond to them. And um, in terms of like meditation, that's been a big just like struggle for myself sitting with myself and being able to um I think in one of the books I'm a big reader I love reading and so um Thich Nhat Hanh he has um he was like a Buddhist monk I think he passed away just last year and he has a book called Peace is Every Step Mm -hmm. talks about the importance of presence and there's one excerpt in his book it's calls it's called the river of feelings and it talks about how water like we're just made up of bodies of water and we just can watch like our feelings kind of like float down this river and we can observe and accept and then like let them keep flowing down the river and I think there's the other analogy of like your thought your emotions are clouds and you like let them pass by um and that's I think the one that I'm more familiar really, with yeah the, the clouds are definitely, I think everyone has one that they attach to mm-hmm. um, more so than the other, but I think just in general, accepting where you're at today and like feeling your emotions. I've gotten really good at feeling my emotions. Um, not so good at feeling my emotions like in front of other people. Like I still can't quite be like super vulnerable. Um, like I don't like to cry in front of other people. Um but even though like sometimes I'll cry on TikTok, which is like weird. <laughs> well, technically they're, like, they're there, but they're like not there, there. You know what I mean? I'm like, we have a community, but also like, and then when I find people who like know me from like real life and they found my TikTok, I'm like, oh God, I'm like so vulnerable. I'm like, do I want you to know all this about me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's okay. That's part of the transition, right? That's part of the movement. Uh, and when you talked about the the meditation, the the idea that I've had, uh, I don't know exactly where it came from, but it was similar to the clouds. And really, the idea is that thoughts are going to come and go. Let them. Feelings are going to come and go. Let them. And the the baseline idea is that you are not the thought or the feeling. You are the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, feelings and those types of thoughts, those are things that happen to you. They're not things that you necessarily are or are not. And I do think that it's important that we start to distinguish that, but it is really difficult because we're not taught how to do that. We're not taught these things uh, from an early age. Uh, And I know for me being a parent, 
one of the most important things to me is um, my daughter's um, identity and her feelings of self. My goal is not to impose a lot of who I am onto her, but instead celebrate the person that she's becoming and kind of sit alongside of her as she tries to figure that out. Um, But not everyone is going to have that. Not everyone is going to have that type of support, but not everybody is on a self-love journey. So what I think when I think about someone like yourself, as you continue to evolve and as you continue to find yourself among other people, you're going to be able to have a really positive impact on them because you've done the work yourself, but we need to get more people willing to do the work. Yeah. And it is work. Like it is not easy (laughs) to, and it's truly like when you start, like, cause I repress a lot of emotions. I hid from them through overworking, overachievement, over-exercising. You're just like kind of a running from yourself and numbing yeah. yourself in one way or another. Um, I was, I've never been like a big substance person, but I know that that's also a way that a lot of people run from themselves. And having to face yourself and be honest is like one of the hardest things to do. And mm-hmm. it's also just like, it's almost like being traumatized twice because like you already experienced it one time, you know, and then like you repressed it. And then now you're like, and now I have to like be almost like re-traumatized in order to like let it go. So it's like almost processing the trauma that whatever event or series of events, um, patterns of behavior that exist in your life, it's kind of like experiencing it twice and it's not easy. And there have been, I think when I set out to start healing, I didn't intentionally start doing it. I just, I left that relationship. I kind of put my business a little bit on hold because, and this ties into like why I am such a proponent for the mental health advocacy in terms of creating a mission in the world. Cause you know, all these women who we touched on earlier, building big businesses and have big ideas. The minute you burn out, so does that mission. And so it's so integral to prioritize your mental and physical well-being so that you can show up for these big things that you want to accomplish in your life. And I saw that myself. I was totally depleted. I was still working my regular job. And then I was trying to process from this breakup and this separation from my parent and like all of these things. And so I got re-in-touched. I I started therapy again. I had like started it pre-pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I was like, okay, I don't really have the financial means to do this right now. So like, let's, let's table it. Let's reset. And then yeah. I was like, okay. yeah. And I think that for me, um, cause I am a business owner, so I pay out of pocket for therapy and it has been the, and I, it's a privilege for me in this point in my life to be able to do that. For a long time, the gym was my therapy. And so I know that everyone's at a different phase <laughs> in their life. Um, yeah. I don't think it, re- I don't think the gym replaces therapy, it but it helps you manage a lot of emotions and stress. <laughs> so, you know, um, as I was kind of like starting this healing journey, I started therapy again. I started reading a lot and journaling was a huge part of my process as well. I am, um, I went to school for writing. I love writing and I kind of got detached from it for a long time. And then it became super cathartic for me to Mm. write. Um, 
because it's a lot of my writing when I go back I'm like oh my god this is so sad (laughs) (laughs) you have these realizations of like where you were at a given point in time but I don't think that there's anything wrong with looking back on who you were and realizing man I I wasn't exactly where I wanted to be, but you can kind of see how you landed where you are now. And I think that's the beauty of these types of exercises is you do get to see the overall journey. And when we started, it's probably you. We make, you know, part of our tagline is if you feel guilty, it's probably you. And the whole idea behind that is if we're saying something during the show and you hear it and something, it, it gnaws at you or it, it makes you feel a certain way, well, then it's probably you. You have an opportunity at that point to figure out why you feel that way and to start the process of figuring out what to do about improving yourself. And that leads me perfectly into just the overall, the overarching theme. And a big reason why I wanted you here specifically for this theme was because I have seen kind of just going back to some of your older TikToks and some of the ones that you have now, I think that motivation has played a huge role in you getting to where you are, but it wasn't just having the idea that you wanted to do it. You actually had to do something about it. So I I posed this to you before we record it, but I do want to know, speaking of motivation, knowing that that's where we're going to go in your mind, what comes first? Is Is it the action or is it motivation? Um, I will say that you will not be motivated every single day of your life to do the <laughs> Thank you. And, Thank you. And I really do think that it is action-based. Like, I think that for myself, I don't want to wake up at, <laughs> like, the, the part of the human brain that loves, seeks comfort and just, like, all of that doesn't want me to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and start my day with meditation and exercise and But 90% of the time, because, you know, you got to give yourself a little leeway sometimes. 90% of the time, I wake up at 5.30 and I'm in the gym at 6 a.m. You know what I mean? Like that is what I need for myself. I'm not going to be motivated to do that every single day. And I think also when you're in the initial part, because I think when you start healing, it's very overwhelming and all-consuming. Yes. And I think that that's what I experienced and why I kind of put my business on a, on a little bit of a hold when I was going through that um, phase because I realized how much work was going into it and how there were days. And like I said, you give yourself some leeway and self-love on some days, but there are days where, you know, you got to get up and get outside. You yes. can't just lay on your couch day in and day out. Like you can have a sad girl day. Chill. <laughs> totally. I get it. You eat ice cream, you're binge watching Netflix. But the minute you start doing that all the time is then you start to like lose the progress, right? But it's yes. like the moment you say to yourself, I always feel better when I go take a walk. And so just doing something, it can be small, but I think the motivation has to be the motivation is for you to live your best life, right? To be the best version of yourself. And like yeah. To for me, it's like if I have kids one day, I want to be the best parent I can be for them. I don't want to pass on all this kind of generational exactly that has happened in my life that other people accepted the cycle. Breaking the cycle is a lot of work, and the motivation is to 
grow, heal, and do those things. But there are days that you kind of have to push yourself to to do it. And so I do think a lot of it is action action based, especially because like you're feeling big emotions. It's hard to yeah. um, hide from that, and it becomes so like in your day in and day out. But I think like for me, I've had to be like. And I've I've gotten kinder in my self talk because I used to be like, get the fuck out. you know what I mean? Like I would just be like a little, yes. like what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now I'm like, okay, Talia. <laughs> like the way that I talk to myself is different, but I do think there's a lot that comes in to play with motivation when you're prioritizing your mental, your physical, your all of it. It's you have to sidestep your wants for your like or your wants in that temporary time space and think about the bigger wants in like the long term yes it's being able to again think about where you're going not just where you are right now and i do think that um in the research that i've been doing across just motivation as a whole there are so many different layers to people's motivations, what motivates them, why they get motivated, why they do certain things, why they don't do other things. But to your point, you're not always going to feel your best. Uh, I've had people ask me like, oh, how do you always have something that you're working on or have something that you're doing? And honestly, it's because I just put it on the calendar. Like it's not, it's not like, oh, I just thought of this great idea. Let me dive into it. The things that you see from people who are trying to build uh, are not things that are just random. Sometimes random ideas come up and you can just dive into it. But a lot of the time it's on the calendar. It's booked. I'm going to be there because I've already set myself up to be there. And I feel like that's been really beneficial to me. And I want to know from your perspective, as you think about um, what what you're looking forward to next, what is that? What is that driving factor? What motivates you the most to keep going and to keep building this brand? So um, I think that in general, I think my my motive, my theme of this of life is kind of being able to invest in your future and kind of our collective future. And I think that that is what keeps me going. And so on the business side of what I've worked on is, you know, like I talked about money, mobility, building that choice for yourself, but also influencing change on a bigger scale. Cause I do think that impact in general, it starts Mm -hmm. with yourself. And so um, I think it starts with you and you expand outward. And so on that business side, that's like what motivates me is helping to create Um, because, you know, we can't ignore all of these issues that exist in our society. It's like rampant, right? Like we have so many things and it becomes overwhelming. I think people get frozen in fear. And so what motivated me to keep going with the, the social impact startup side is having these conversations with people who are of similar mindsets of, and we may be starting small, but we're doing something. And so there's that part. And then there's like the mental health side, which has been kind of where my uh, audience has really skyrocketed on that side was the moment that I started um, 
getting vulnerable and actually sharing my story because for so long I hid from it. And I didn't think that my voice had any value. Um, And I think that I had to also get over the cringe factor. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just anybody who's making content nowadays, there's like that fear of putting yourself out there because the internet can be mean. And I will say that out of my audience growing, um, and those are the TikToks that go viral, the ones that I am like, here's this like fucked up thing. (laughs) Here's this really bad thing that happened. (laughs) And people are like, me too. And I'm like, and it's, 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 it's kind of like a double-edged sword because part of me is like, God, I don't want anyone else to feel that pain. But oh my God, like somebody else feels that pain, you know, it's like such a a rewarding thing. And so for me, it kind of opened up this other side of like the investing in the art collective world, but investing in yourself. And so um, in terms of like where that's motivating me to go, I'd love to be able to continue down that path, making content that helps connect with people. Um, and I think that will eventually evolve into a book. And so that's like nice. kind of like where nice. on that trajectory. Um, but it takes time and it's like, uh, it's the figuring out how that, that would come to fruition, but there's like so many things I'm passionate about. I feel like I can't boil it all down. I'm like, I love business. I love women making money and building generational wealth and like all of these things. And also I love like talking about climate change and how we can help and like sustainable farming. And like, I have so many interests. I'm like, I love movement. I love mental health and talking about relationships and attachment theory. Like there's so many things. And I think the reason I've been able to show up, and I actually think this is the beauty of TikTok because I never could resonate with the influencer culture that yeah. was predominant from like, I would say like 2015 to like 2020, right? Like that, exp- and even like kind of still now where it's like hyper curated. And yep. don't get me wrong, I love seeing beautiful images and like the aesthetic, but like, and like, I love playing with like videos and like being able to have like beautiful, beautiful content. But at the same time, with the influx of like Gen Z's opinions and mindsets about the world, I think it's really great. And it's also opening up a space for people to share and be vulnerable and not have to be perfect in order yes. for people to resonate with you and I've seen I've seen some I can't remember where I saw it but this can't be attributed just to me but it's like the influencing with impact now and it's like kind of shifting of this influencer culture and I think that's why now I feel good about the content I'm creating because I'm not trying to be anybody but myself and I think it can be really hard to be like um a figure kind of like more publicly because people will criticize every single it doesn't matter what you're doing they don't care they're gonna yeah they're gonna tear you apart just because they can and they're insecure they're gonna tear apart you intellectually but also like physically they're gonna talk about whatever they don't like about your face whatever they don't like about your body they're gonna just like nitpick you but then it's like 
I think we're becoming a little more accepting and moving away from that like false projection mm-hmm. of, of what a person is in media. And I think that's the reason why now I feel good about creating content. Now I feel like I can be like the whole term of like influencer, like culture and all that stuff. I couldn't resonate with before because I just felt like it was perpetuating standards and ideals that are not in alignment with things that I care about. And so now I'm like, there's this movement of everybody really just like being themselves, being human, valuing things that are like not fancy cars and, and like how many purses you have and, you know, like (laughs) that whole kind of false idea of like, you know, what people want in life. And now it's like, what kind of person are you? How, how can my pain help you process yours? And how can we like turn that into something more powerful? It went from influencers trying to tell you about products and things that were outside of themselves to now it's turned into being about the person and what that person can do. I've struggled with that same thing. I am so interested in so many things and I've, I've done so many things. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do long-term, like what's going to be the main thing that I do. But this was, again, this was fantastic. This was exactly why I wanted to have you on. I knew that you would bring amazing insights to my audience uh, to be able to to tap into. I think you have a wealth of knowledge. Where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation um, to just see what you're all about? Sure. So um, my website is the Modern Ultranoir, modernaltranoir.com. Um, but on my handles, I'm Mod Ultranoir. So M O D dot A L T R U N E U R. So Ultranoir being like an alternative kind of entrepreneur, somebody who prioritizes um, all of these different beautiful things that we want to prioritize in business and the world nowadays. Um, and yeah, and you can shoot me an email at hello at modernaltranoir.com if you want to have a connection or, or have a conversation and connect. I am always open and I love hearing from people, um, in my DMs. It's really inspiring. That helps motivate me because when I get those DMs that people are like, Hey, thank you so much for being so vulnerable. It's really helped me realize that I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, you know, it's made yeah. me realize all these things. And so that I always love hearing from people. So feel free to reach out. I, I will have all of your contact information in the show notes. And I will say also one of the biggest motivators for me is when people listen to an episode and they come back and say like, that right there helped me with X, Y, and Z. But you guys know where you can find us on our website, www.itsprobablyyou.com and on Instagram at it's underscore, probably underscore the letter U. And remember, if at any point you felt guilty, it's probably you.